Welcome to this week's episode of BusinessWise. This is a podcast series for entrepreneurs interested in expanding through learning and applying the management system discovered and developed by humanitarian philosopher and administrator, Mr. L. Ron Hubbard. Last week, we discussed the liability of the use of lies in public relations and the current prevalence of lies and the current abuses of PR or public relations. We've decided to do a number of episodes. We're not going to do in particularly a series, but we're going to revisit this subject several times in the coming year because it is an invaluable tool. Public relations, terribly uh, abused, relegated to a, an insignificant, relatively insignificant tool, shall we say, in the toolbox of current wise members. You discuss uh, PR with a wise member and they'll kind of go, well, yeah, I think we do some. But there's not really the kind of dominance in the use of PR that should be in effect, particularly for anyone who's seeking to achieve large goals, large objectives, you know, have a dream to pursue. You're going to need public relations. It's a vital tool, but you better understand it. Okay. Now, as we have already mentioned, last week we were going into abuses of PR and the use of lies. Now we're going to talk about the right way to go about PR using truth. But there's quite a bit to know about the subject of truth, believe it or not. So let's get started. Now, this is a continuation of the article from L. Ron Hubbard. We derived our last episode from. It's dated 13 August 1970 and entitled The Missing Ingredient. And as we went over in the last episode, the missing ingredient was a lack of reality as per the laws of the ARC triangle and the use of a false reality or false R. As a quick review, ARC, in the term ARC triangle, ARC stands for affinity, reality, and communication, which are the three components of understanding. Now, affinity is, of course, the degree of liking or disliking of something. And by reality, we mean the similarity or dissimilarity of ideas about something. And by communication, we mean, of course, the interchange of ideas about something. So these three are factors to each other. They form a triangle. And when one is enhanced, as one increases one's communication, one tends to get more a reality or agreement, and one tends to develop more affinity. On the other hand, where one has a disagreement, one will see a, you know, a lack of reality, one will see a diminishment of affinity and a diminishment of communication until those things get put back in place, until one communicates it out, and then it starts arriving at, again, more reality, more agreement, and then, of course, more affinity follows that. So these are the three components of understanding. They're vital to public relations. As a matter of fact, they're vital to just about everything in management. And we can revisit this subject again and again. In fact, the more I study the Harvard Management System, the more I realize it really boils down to just those three letters. But uh, that's another a subject, perhaps, for another episode. Back to our article, The Missing Ingredient. We ended off with this statement. This was the last statement we made in Last week's episode, Mr. Hubbard says, any lie will either blunt the sea communication or end the sea off one day with revulsion. That was our last quote from Mr. Hubbard last week. So the next line, he says this, handling truth is a touchy business also. You don't have to tell everything you know. That would jam the calm line too. Tell an acceptable truth. As a young man, I was 
frequently crossing borders. I'm a Canadian. I would go into the U.S. And obviously, I was asked a number of questions like, where am I going? What am I doing? And so forth. And it was never a smart idea to lie to the border staff. But um, we also learned that it was smart not to originate anything and only tell them the answers to the questions that were asked. The more we seemed to talk, uh, the more we seemed to get ourselves in trouble. So we just stuck with acceptable truths in those days, you know, but not lies. Lies would generally catch you in trouble. So we stayed away from lies, but kept the truth something that they would accept. Wouldn't necessarily originate too much information. And you might fall into this with your career or your occupation or your business. There's sometimes a temptation to lie. You know, for instance, I train management consultants and I'm not particularly interested in their university education on the subject of management or administration. It's not necessarily a liability to have such an education, but it's when you're teaching the Hubbard management system, there's sometimes some unlearning to do first before you can actually get the person to duplicate and understand the simplicity of management as Mr. Hubbard discovered and codified it. We've had many MBAs, you know, in our seminars and so forth come up to us as speakers afterwards to say that they never learned any of this before and how fabulous it was and blown away what they're learning from the Harvard Management System. But nonetheless, a consultant getting started and trying to launch his career as a business consultant will sometimes be asked about their education. And if their education was, you know, maybe a year in university studying biology or something like that, or life sciences, nothing to do with management at all, but they have studied the Hubbard Management System in any of the facilities that are available to train them on these things. These are not taught in university. The Hubbard Management System at this time is only taught at the Hubbard College of Administration in Los Angeles, and I believe we have one in Utah now. But nonetheless, they can get asked about their background, their degrees, and so forth. Don't lie. Doesn't make a lot of sense to lie, but you can definitely go with an acceptable truth, such as I spent over 300 hours closely studying the Hubbard management system and been apprenticed in its application and use. And, you know, this is an acceptable truth. Like, oh, okay, the guy studied this stuff, you know, and he's been put through the ringer. You can, I would even put it that way. I've been put through the ringer on its application and use, and you should see the results I get with my clients. You know, and then start showing them success stories and testimonials. Uh, you know, the subject of your education will drop away quickly. Okay. He says, agreement with one's message is what PR is seeking to achieve. Thus, the message must compare to the personal experience of the audience. What's the personal experience of the audience? You need a degree or you need to study. So we're presenting now an acceptable truth that, oh, okay, this is acceptable to me. The guy has studied this. And, you know, I've been certified in the Hubbard Management System. That's the truth. I mean, if anybody looked into my uh, academic background, they probably wouldn't want to trust me <laughs> with uh, consulting them on business technology. I, I was a logger for a couple of years. I was a farmer for a year. And, <laughs> and, you know, my college education was in the environment, nothing to do with business. So it's kind of interesting that, you know, I was actually put in that position where I would have to answer questions on that. And of course, 
would dare not falsify my background. Didn't even know this particular data about PR. Just instinctively knew that I'm I'm not going to go. I'm not going to be caught in a lie. No interest in that. That's going to backfire. Common sense should tell you that, but people still do it. Okay, especially PR experts today will use lies gratuitously. It seems. But anyway, back to this. I'll repeat the last line. Agreement with one's message is what PR is seeking to achieve. Thus, the message must compare to the personal experience of the audience. So PR becomes a technique of communicating an acceptable truth and which will attain the desirable result. If there's no chance of obtaining a desirable result and the truth would injure, then talk about something else. Yeah, let's talk about our successes. Let me, uh, let me give you a testimonial or two from some of our clients. It's like, well, this is something we can talk about all day and be very truthful. Now, uh, let's, you know, I don't think he's going to be very impressed with my degree in environmental science, you know, so let's, let's move on to something else, right? He says, PR is employed to obtain a result desired by the PR and his group. So when you're using public relations, when you're using PR, there has to be something in mind about what is the result we're, we're desiring here. It goes on to say, or it is employed to cancel out the undesirable PR of others. Let's say you are subject to a black PR campaign, a black propaganda campaign. Lies are being stated about you, and it's affecting your career, it's affecting your business, it's affecting your success in uh, the workplace. You know, I have never really worked in corporate America, but I have many members who have, and it seems like being able to combat black PR or black propaganda is something you really need if you're going to get ahead in corporate America with all the backstabbing. I don't want to make a broad generality. It's just been common. Okay, so he says, or it is employed to cancel out the undesirable PR of others. Thus, there is offensive and defensive PR. Very interesting, very important to note. There's offensive PR and defensive PR. So he says, in defending against hostile PR, once more, it is the R that counts. So here you have somebody who's saying, yeah, let's say you're trying to climb the corporate ladder and you have another employee who is maybe utilizing, you know, vying for the same position you are and they're starting to spread lies about you. Liar, liar, the fire. You know, he's constantly late. His work is being done by others. It's, he puts his name over it, but it's not really him and so forth. And this is sort of typical black propaganda that might be occurring on you, okay, and you're trying to now get ahead. Or let's say you've got a restaurant and now your competitors are starting to spread black propaganda about quality of the food or the hygiene of the business and so forth. This is not uncommon. Unfortunately, it's all too common. And so you better be prepared for it. So he says, thus defending against hostile PR, once more, it is the R that counts. Sun Tzu, Sun Tzu was a strategist and author from the uh, early Chinese history. And he wrote a book about warfare. And here, Mr. Robert says, Sun Tzu, in his book about warfare, gives several types of agent. One of these is the, quote, dead agent, end quote, because he tells lies to the enemy, and when they find out, they will kill him. See, an intelligence agent, who is supposed to be giving you intel on the enemy, if you find that data is false, if you as 
a general. You have now deployed your troops strategically to act in an offensive or defensive manner that has been compromised because of false information given by your agent. Well, that agent's dead. Off with his head! Mr. Robert says here, Hostile or counter-PR is usually the fabric of lies. We touched on this last week. Hostile counter-PR generally is made up of lies, okay? So if one finds out the lies being told and documents just one as being false, he has made counter-PR recoil. His hearer will never believe him again. He's dead. These are Mr. Howard's words. So, look, if someone is spreading lies about you, that you're always late, that you don't author your own work, and so forth, and you can now produce documentation, attests from those who've collaborated with you. No, this is all his original work. The person you were supposed to have lifted this information from, you get an attest from them that this work that you created, this project that you proposed, or the program that you proposed is something that you authored. Well, now you've just disproved what the other guy is saying about you, the black propaganda that they're spreading, which is made of the fabric of lies. Now the boss or whomever the project was presented to can now see the truth. It's been documented. What is his attitude towards the other guy now? In his world, he's dead. He's not going to believe him again. So this is your most effective counteraction. When you're using PR, you want to stick with truth. But when you're countering black PR, it's the same thing. You're dealing with reality. You're dealing with truth. And you're using truth to disprove the lies, and that renders the liar, the false reporter, the black propagandist, ineffective, or essentially dead. Okay? I don't think they murder them anymore, but back in the Sun Tzu's days, they probably executed them with a, or had them commit seppuku or whatever they did. All right? So, to repeat, if one finds out the lies being told and documents just one as being false, he has made counter-PR recoil. His hearer will never believe him again. He's dead. He goes on to say, You understand, it's not one PR's word against another. It's one PR's documents against the other PR's lies. Think with that. If you're dealing with black propaganda, if you're dealing with black PR, it could be a daughter trying to handle her dad. Lies being spread about her, about, you know, hanging out with a certain crowd or what have you. Document the truth. A liar will be dead, will be rendered with just one false report, interestingly. Just one lie. That's all it takes. You prove one lie, and that other party there is no longer accepted as being able to issue truth. Okay? So he says, you understand, it's not one PR's word against another's. It's one PR's documents against the other PR's lies. That is correct defensive PR. So you see that using out our PR can be very dangerous. See? Don't go there yourself. Don't start going without R. Don't go start going out with lies. That's just going to recoil. Okay. That gives the other guy the opportunity to run a dead agent on you. Okay? So he says, uh, if one is trying to PR an abuse into decay, dangerous activity in itself. Let's say you've got an auto repair shop, and you've got, there's another neighboring auto repair shop that is clearly ripping off their customers and clearly incompetent. And you go, well, you know what? I'm going to start making it known that this guy is completely incompetent. 
he is dangerous. I don't want people going there. I mean, whether they come to me or not, I don't think they should be going to that guy. So you start engaging in PR to take that activity into a decay of some sort, which he says is a dangerous activity in itself. Hey, look at you really want to do that? He's not recommending it necessarily. Mr. Hubbard's not recommending it. He says, if one is trying to PR and abuse into decay, a dangerous activity in itself, he obtains the desirable result by documenting truth. Well, if you're going to do that, make sure it's documented. But then listen to what he says. But using the, quote, dead agent, end quote, caper is quite enough almost always. You see, you don't really need to do your own offensive PR to take out an abuse. Because the person perpetrating the abuse is probably going to attack you. And if you use your dead agent caper, where you're documenting his lies, that person's going to be nullified. Okay? So you don't even have to engage necessarily in an offensive PR against an abuser. All right? He will generally, to use an old expression, get hoisted by his own petard. And I have to look that one up on your own. Okay. So again, he starts emphasizing acceptable truth. He says here, the use of our reality not only involves truth, it involves acceptable truth. And that involves the fixed opinions of another or others and their experience. All this is contained in the subject of reality. What is the R of another or others? Hey, you know, you're, you're now going to start using a PR campaign, you want to start getting your, your, let's go back to our consultant example, building a consulting company, wants to start building PR for himself. He starts figuring out how he's going to start communicating about his education. Well, who's to say that anybody cares about the education these days? They may not. What is their reality? They may be more interested in your work experience or your results with others. How are you going to find out what their reality is so that you can match your acceptable truth to that reality? Well, Mr. Robert says you should survey. Now, surveys, I did a whole episode on surveys, probably should do more, but don't overcomplicate it. Just get in communication with people. Start finding out what they're interested in and what their reality is. Conversation will do a lot of good for you if you do it consciously with the intention of finding out the reality of other people. And then there's also, of course, a lot of technology to surveys. But anyway, we're not going to get into that right now. But just be aware that surveys will serve you well in terms of telling you what the reality is of the receiver of the message so that you can make your truth acceptable to them. That's what you need to take away from this episode. So he says, what is the R of another or others? This involves surveys. Then you know what truth he or they will accept. Imagination in PR is not limited at all. Again, Mr. Howard's words, it takes lots of imagination, but the imagination should be devoted to how the truth is made acceptable to the R of others and how the calm is delivered. So, yeah, it's a very creative activity, but it's not creative in creating lies. It's creating how do I impart this truth so that it is acceptable to others. And goes on to say, a totally imaginary statement or story is quite useful so long as it is known to be imaginary and not passed off as truth. Sure, you can make up a story. Just tell them it's a story. It's not based on truth. But you can illustrate things with 
analogies, you know, stories, and just make sure that it's understood that these are imaginary. Okay. In a PR world, truth is the almost unknown commodity. Isn't that horrifying? Because it is a PR world. Believe me. And you know it's true. There's a manipulation, efforts to manipulate the way you think, the way you feel about things. But he says, in a PR world, truth is the almost unknown commodity. This world is full of the, quote, noise, end quote, of many lies, many babbles, many old fixations and hates. The truth has calm value. Calm is short for communication. The truth has calm value. All the lies will dead end someday. You know, it might be tempting to go with lies. A lot of lying going on. A lot of untruths being used in you know, what is laughably called PR. It's not a laughing matter. But I'm just saying that temptation might be there. But stick with truth. It has communication value. When you're really putting over truth, and you've had this experience, you know, sometimes you're caught in a corner and you just say, you know what, I'm just going to tell you the truth. And it's surprising how effective and impinging the truth is. I'm going to do a whole episode on truth at some point because it is such an important element in all this. Okay, he goes on to say, we're wrapping this up. He says, A, affinity supports the R and C. Therefore, PR, which seeks to incite hate, will not have the C value of a message that carries actual affinity. This is a liability of trying to use PR to dismantle something or to depower something because it generally has a low affinity. So the communication value is weakened. It goes on to say, but affinity can also be falsified and in the PR world too often is. Hey, look it, if you don't have sincere affinity, don't bother. Okay, work up the affinity first before you start trying to pass a message on to a recipient. You know, how? What, what's your affinity for the for the receivers of the message. And this is one of the reasons why, by the way, when members have asked me, you know, like, where do you think I should locate my next office or my next clinic or my next business or store or restaurant? My first response usually is, who do you want to serve? Who do you have affinity for? That's where I put it. Put it in a place where you have genuine affinity for people, because if you try to use PR and falsify that affinity, that's going to give you problems. Okay. So he goes on to say, a person who is sane has a high ARC value. It's wonderful to be sane, by the way, being relatively sane and dealing with relatively sane people. It's just interesting how the world responds to a high ARC value. So Mr. Owen goes on to say, so the PR who is sane has a high potential, and those who have corrupted their A, R, and C into a hole wind up on the bottle or beating their dogs, or cynical beyond belief. Serving mad masters, a PR hasn't much chance. How would you like to be the PR for a mad master? Not much fun. A death sentence to yourself, as a, at least spiritually. So he wraps it up by saying this, So there is a technique known as public relations, and it has the high liability of abuse through lies and the degrade of its practitioner. But if one strictly attends to the values of truth and affinity, he will be able to communicate and can stand up to the strain. Knowing this, 
PR becomes a far more useful and mature subject. L. Ron Hubbard. Okay, there you go. There is the second half, I guess you could say, of the abuse of PR and the correct use of PR. The abuse, of course, incorporating lies and the correct use incorporating acceptable truth. Okay, understand what uh, acceptable truth is, how to establish it through your surveys, uh, through looking, through understanding. Remember to keep your affinity high, ARC high. That is the basis of it. You're trying to incite understanding. You're starting, trying to create a better appreciation and understanding for who you are and what you're doing and your projects and so on. You need PR. You need ARC. You need truth. Hope this was helpful to you. Be interested to see your responses to these uh, last two episodes. Please write us at info at wiseeastus.org. Leave comments, likes if you liked it. And uh, thank you very much for listening. Talk again next week.